0: people. This is episode 15 of Bantam Motivation. I am Iyamide. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone, and I mean every single soul on earth, except end SARS deniers. Those pretending that the end SARS movement is not happening, those defending SARS officers, the cynics who don't believe that this process will lead to anything or that any change can be effected, Shame, shame, shame on you. And again, I say shame. At the end of the day, the shame will still be on you because the revolution in Nigeria has started. Much to my excitement. If you listen to last week's episode, I spoke with some of my childhood friends about what Nigeria was like growing up, the difference between when our parents, you know, were younger, how things have gotten so bad in Nigeria, why people are afraid to go back and things like basic amenities, literally just 24 seven electricity, healthcare, water, good roads, security, jobs, education, all of those things are lacking with a capital L. And I also express my fears that the generation coming after, which is our generation and generation after would follow in the footsteps of our parents. that corruption, things not working properly, just aiming high and just being more concerned about the physical material things, property, lifestyle, and so on and so forth. I will however mention that a lot of times politics stays within a family, right? So if you have a family that's well known, someone will be a politician and then their kids would eventually go into politics and such and such, right? We had some from our grandparents' generation whose children are now ruling and leading. And then their children are also being groomed to take over. So a lot of times, those are the kind of people that, I guess, fall into the category of continuing from where their parents stopped as far as doing evil in politics or stealing or being corrupt. The other group of people are those who have connections. So not necessarily your parents, but it could be your parents' friends or family members, distant relatives, or just people from your village or whatever the case may be. And they give you an appointment as their special advisor or assistant or PA or whatever it's called. And that's how a lot of very young people are getting into politics. And those were the people I was talking about that have that trend of aiming high, wanting to do big things, not having the right intentions. Now, let me backtrack a little bit. Some of you might not be Nigerian. You might not have heard about NSAS. Maybe you live under Iraq. Maybe you took a break from social media. Maybe you're just someone who is generally not informed Let me tell you what the whole hype is about. So SARS, which is spelled S-A-R-S, stands for Special Anti-Robbery Squad. And it's a unit or a branch of the Nigerian police force that was created in 1992. Get that, guys. So a cool 28 years ago. People are wondering, why is everybody talking about SARS all of a sudden? If they've been here this long, you know, what's the ginger? Well, when SARS was created, as far as I know, I've heard the name SARS on and off. It was never a really big deal. It wasn't something that you drove by on the streets and saw people in uniform saying SARS. At least not me. I grew up in Lagos, you know, via Nikoi. So I don't know other people's experiences in other parts of Nigeria, but I haven't heard that to be the case. In fact, most people didn't even know SARS existed. Somehow in the last few years, most especially 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, SARS seems to be everywhere. Somehow they've crept into society and literally have become the police officers you see every day and you dread. Anti-robbery was their thing. I don't know if they ever really brought about any justice. People say within the first few months when they were formed, they actually did their jobs and crime went down, robbery went down, all of that good stuff. As far as the present goes, we all know they don't care. Robbery is going on. You call the police. They'll tell you there's no fuel in the car, no petrol, no gas. Depending on your country you're from, you know it has different things. You know, you have to pay for them to come. And then when they get there, they don't do much or they waste time just to make sure the robbers have left. They ask you a gazillion questions, charge you money to, you know, write a statement and to go about, uh, what's the word, investigating what happened. Like you pay them to investigate. just... A whole bunch of crap that's just the nigerian police force in general has really just not been functioning so here are these quotes and unquote because when you think of a special unit you think of an elite force right you would assume these are bad guys who have a really good record of doing amazing things and then they were separated into the special unit. and no some of these people can't even read some of them can't write almost all of them do not know how to operate weapons there are videos of these people just cocking guns holding guns pointed at their co-workers or colleagues or fellow officers at themselves like their feet or their groin area at people just passing by just spraying bullets in the air and wreaking havoc so these are not even any special elite train no these are just your run of the mill I couldn't find anything else to do in my life so I joined the police and I'm here to make money type of people every offense intended now why are people so angry, right? If all they're doing is just sitting by and not doing their job, why are people angry? SARS has turned into a menace. They claim that because a lot of robbery is not done physically now, you know, it's cybercrime, fraud, 419 as Nigerians call it, they had evolved into now fighting cybercrime. Wonderful, perfect. In a normal world, how does that work out? They're supposed to get training, know how to be tech savvy probably have two branches right or two sections or divisions or whatever within SARS. One section will be people who are or division as you might want to call it who are trained in technology could be forensic accountants who trace the money what happened how did it get there why you know all of that developers computer scientists i don't know who else right but those kind of people like the people who have the technical know-how and then the other division or the other you know branch or whatever within sars would be the foot soldiers the detectives the one who actually go make arrests and if there's anything to do on foot like go somewhere physically like ask questions apprehend people that would be their job instead what the nigerian government in their wisdom as i I guess i would call it decided to do was just those same people on the streets didn't educate them didn't train them didn't bring in any professional or technocrats just push them out to start finding cyber criminals how are you going to do that a lot of people can't even register a new email address for themselves that is they cannot go on gmail or yahoo or whatever they use and from start to finish register a new email address for themselves how then for goodness sakes are they going to find cyber criminals that evaded Nigerians and evaded God knows who else and was in Dubai chilling for such a long time, the FBI and Dubai police were able to apprehend him. Not once before he was arrested did they physically make contact with him. They didn't go physically to him to look through his phone or look through his laptop or ask him any questions or harass him or, you know, beat him or torture him or literally got all the information they needed from afar off, in cyberspace, because it is cybercrime, when they had everything they needed, the food soldiers went to his abode in the middle of the night and picked him up. That is how cybercrime works. I don't know how come the Nigerian government has not gotten the memo, or they're just trying to be funny. So these SARS officers are on the streets stopping people. Oh, you're young, you're driving a nice car, you must be a criminal. You have a laptop, you have an iPhone, you have a new Android, you are a criminal. You have dreadlocks while you are a criminal. You look good, you look cute, you look nice, you look well put together, you're dressed well. Most definitely signs of a criminal. Nowhere in the world is that done. You just stop people because of how they look physically or the kind of cars that they're driving. It wasn't like they were speeding or their tail light was out or somebody called and reported a crime that they fit the description of. Literally just on a whim, you're stopping young people because you don't believe they should be successful probably because you are not. You take money from these people, as much cash as you can get out of them. If you can't get enough or even if they can't get enough, they take you to the ATM and make you withdraw the max amount. If that's still not enough or if you maybe there's no ATM close by or you say you don't have your ATM card, they will make you go online, log into your banking software or whatever and transfer money to them. Sometimes I heard they don't even transfer directly because they don't want any proof. They have it transferred to like a fourth party, third party, just so it can be traced. So these people are professional criminals themselves. Not to talk about the people they harass. They shoot people for not cooperating with them. So many people have stories of being paralyzed from gunshots, wounds, by SARS officials. They torture people they rape women they beat up young men they throw people in jail and forget about them and when their families come to inquire they tell them we don't have this person we don't know where this person is literally wreaking havoc damaging lives killing people and there's nothing the federal government of nigeria has done about it there are articles from 2017 2018 2019 even in february 2020 before sars lockdown sorry before covid lockdown government was still promising and end to SARS, and end to SARS, and end to SARS, and and still nothing. The youth got tired, took matters into their own hands, started organizing, you guys, let's protest, let's protest. It went, you know, live on social media. People were gingered, and they started the protests. I kid you not, every day it has gotten bigger. This thing has grown into an entire movement. This is around the world. There are protests happening, different cities in different states in the United States, in the United Kingdom. I've seen Paris, I've seen Germany. So I've seen France, I've seen Germany, I've seen Canada, I've seen, I can't remember all the countries now, Ghana, but just so many different countries where Nigerians there and supporters have come out on the streets to protest and say, we will not take this any longer. SARS needs to end. The government came out, of course, did their usual, you know, pacify with lies. Okay, SARS is officially disbanded. Protesters were like, no, we have heard this so many times before in writing, in speaking, do these SARS people even know they've been disbanded? It seems like the government just announces, but the police officers themselves don't agree or don't believe, and they obviously don't live it, right? Mind you, while all this is going on, while people are protesting, SARS officers are actually on the streets, still shooting, still killing, still harassing, still intimidating. It doesn't even make any sense. That's to show you the zero level of sense these SARS officers have, because if they had any sense, they would actually lay low, allow things to die down, and then they could come back and continue maybe business as usual or make some little tweaks, but they don't even have enough sense or respect for the citizens to even do that, literally just still going about their daily business. Youths were not, you know, letting up, thankfully. Movements started getting more powerful. People were donating money in the millions, in the tens of millions. Government starts panicking, and they start shutting down every avenue that these groups, you know, rallying the protests have been able to get. Mind you, at these protests, they are providing food, medicals, because if you get hurt in all these protests or things get violent, they're paying medical bills. Some people's cars got vandalized. They give them money to fix their cars. Legal, if you get arrested, because obviously they were illegally arresting a whole bunch of people and trying to charge them to cause. So this is a Nigerian system where a politician for eight years, quote-unquote, to be on trial or they'll be investigating. Wheels of justice are... Su- in fact, in Nigeria, they run backwards super, super, super slow. There are tons of people who are innocent, who have been languishing in jail because their case hasn't been called up. Things are slow, things are slow, things are slow. There's always a continuance. All of a sudden, you're trying to attack the young people for protesting. You're trying to shut them up. You're trying to scare them. And literally, two in two, three days, they're arraigning these people and trying to fully charge and convict them, just to show you the irony. Anyway, organizers of the protest got legal help. They're paying for people's you know, legal services, getting everybody who has been arrested out, leveraging their contacts, literally a whole city. But they are doing this in so many different protests all around Nigeria, mostly, I think, in Lagos and in the south. I think there were some in Abuja, Harcourt, but mostly or largely in Lagos. Now, a lot of other states and cities are joining in, but originally, mostly, you know, Lagos and Abuja. The governor of River State, where Potakot is based, actually banned protests, said Nobody should protest. If you protest, you know, the powers or authorities that be, police, army, would, you know, deal with you. So absurd because Nigeria is a democracy. We actually, on October 1st, celebrated 60 years of democracy. And you don't know that people have a right to peacefully protest. Like, where do you come off telling people that they cannot? Like, it's banned in the entire state for them to peacefully protest for their rights. Thankfully... People came out to say, no, here it is in the constitution. We have a right to gather. There's nothing you can do. In fact, that even made people more ginger to come out. They were out in their droves. The governor had no choice but to actually now address them and then get on their side. You see? So it's just been a week of so much, so much, so much things that the government has dulled on doing or has not provided these people have been able to provide at such low cost when the government was blocking their accounts and trying to say we don't know if this money is being raised for terrorism and other rubbish and trash these people went to bitcoin started collecting money in bitcoin if i tell you that i am proud to be a young nigerian or a nigerian woman that's an understatement. i feel like i just don't know how to describe the euphoria the joy the excitement Those of you that know me personally, or should I say in real life, you know, I have been on this NSAS thing the entire week. I'm not in Nigeria. I can't be on ground to participate in the protest and all that. There was one protest in my city, but by the time I found out, it clashed with a meeting I had, so I couldn't go. But I have been online, Instagram, joined Twitter, WhatsApp status, literally just posting, reposting, reposting, making sure the hashtag is trending, making sure people are informed about what's happening updates you know pictures memes news whatever you want to call it keeping the ginger alive that's the least i can do for all the other people who are on ground actually facing terror like they threw tear gas at people they shot at people they've actually like i said killed people they've threatened people they've broken people's cars and the youth are not backing down they are resolute and Even the people who were doubting at first, there were some people who were doubting and saying, no, this is not going to lead anywhere and they'll be tired in a day or two. No. Jack Dorsey of Twitter actually is part of the whole thing now. He's tweeted about it. He's posted links for people to donate. Different celebrities, Tyler Perry, Viola Davis, people are posting, hey, we hear what's going on in Nigeria. You have our support. It's literally worldwide. United Nations says they're watching. CNN Africa has featured it. Amnesty International. And... The demands of the youth were taken to the president. They were taken to president by the Lagos State Governor to say, "Hey, this is what the youth are asking for. This is what they want. You know, how can we make this happen so that these protests can stop?" And this man giggled. He actually laughed. Let me tell you what the demands are. So there are five demands. They want all protesters to be released. Justice and compensation for the families of victims who have died or who have been killed at the hands of SARS officers. An independent body to oversee the prosecution of officers who have killed people. Like we, People have their pictures, their names, their badge numbers, their station where they were posted to or where they work out of. These people need to be prosecuted. Within 10 days, no delay, no wasting time. Psychological evaluations of disbanded officers before they are redeployed. Because the government was saying, okay, we're going to disband SARS and redeploy those officers. What good would that do if somebody is abusing power, killing, stealing, destroying exactly what Satan came, you know, to the earth to do? And then you just say, hey, you're no longer a member of SARS. Just go back into the regular police force. Why do you assume they will stop killing, stealing, destroying? They will just do that now. But there's not an umbrella under which we can identify. Hey, these group of people are the worst. So you have to evaluate who is even still sane. A lot of these people are traumatized because when you kill someone, it's not a joke. Even if you watch American movies or like CSI or NCIS or whatever, when you fire your weapon, you have to see a therapist. They have to discuss what was going on, how do you feel, what happened, address you know, where you right? was it a justified shot, was it not, all of that. These people are wasting young lives in Nigeria, no accountability, no mental health resources, just shooting and walking away, shooting and walking. Nobody's even checking, hey, you were given 20 bullets. How many do you have now? Oh, you have only three, wow, okay. What did you do with 17 bullets? Who did you kill? Did they deserve to die? Are you a psychopath who just is power hungry and going about abusing the power you are given and the gun that you are giving because you can't? None of that is happening. You just want to redeploy these people to go into other parts of the police and continue this madness. That doesn't make any sense. That's just shuffling them, right? It's like playing musical chairs, you're still in the game, but you just move to a different seat. That is not what we want. And then the last demand was increasing police salary. So, I'll stop here to say some people are pro-SARS or trying to say, you know, make excuses for SARS and say it's because they're not paid well and if you look at their barracks, they are horrible, which they are. If you look at pictures, they are horrible. These are not conditions anybody should be living in. It's really bad. Look at the pay structure when they recruit a police officer, you know, as a new recruit or whatever. The pay is five uh, 9,000 naira. 9,000 naira. Which, if you know anything about Nigeria, if you're a Nigerian, you know that's a joke. You cannot use 9,000 naira to do anything Maybe buy credit for your phone, maybe just, you know, go out with your friends one night to chill. You end up spending about 10,000 Naira. So 9,000 doesn't do anything. You can't support someone, definitely can't support a family. It can't, you know, pay your bills, all of that. This leads me to believe that as a recruit, when you take a job to be a police officer, definitely you know and the people employing you know that the amount you're being paid cannot do anything for you like literally can't even, probably even pay your transport from where you live to the station you're supposed to report to every day apparently they buy their own uniforms and boots and whatever as well so there's this kind of unspoken that uh, my, my belief is not anything set in stone right There's this unspoken thing where the employers who are the senior police officers or whoever hires for the Nigerian police and these new recruits and officers that they're hiring know that you have to make up the difference in whatever you need to live to survive. So take bribes, harass people, falsely accuse them, whatever it takes. It's almost like, you know, when you join like a sales team or something or some of these kind of jobs where you join and it's literally however many people you can get, right, is how much money you will make. So your earning potential is limitless. Pretty much you are responsible for your salary or your wages or pay. If you get maybe 50,000 people to sign up on this scheme and you know you're getting maybe $10 from each person, that's how much your salary is. But if you don't do enough work and you only get two people, it's nobody's fault that you only got paid $40 for this month. It's exactly that same kind of mantra where, hey, if you can harass people on the streets, get enough bribes, lucky you, you could make even $200,000, $300,000, $500,000 a month. But if you want to go to straight and narrow, do exactly what you're hired for at the time you're hired to do it and rely on your salary, then sorry for you, 9,000 naira is what you need to survive. There's no other way you can explain that. Even as they go up in the ranks, right? The money doesn't get that much better. So it's, you know, 43,000 after that, and then the next rank, 51,000, and then, uh, uh, sorry, 55,000, and then 62,000. None of those amounts make sense. So there's a video that's been going around. Someone called into a talk show where they were talking about the whole N stars thing supposed to be a police officer. I'm guessing a woman. I'm not sure if they changed the voice just so we don't recognize who it is, but it does sound like a woman. And she said she's been in police force for 17 years and her monthly salary is 63,000 naira. So 63,000 naira is not even up to $200 a month. That's her salary with which she's supposed to pay her children's tuition, pay any healthcare costs that come up, get transportation, feeding, whatever else she needs to do being in nigeria obviously you probably have a generator because there's no constant electricity and you need to buy you know fuel or diesel whatever your generator uses So she said she actually has a lot of co-workers who left the straight and narrow started doing dubious things taking bribe doing all these things we're talking about and she sees where they are in life and how well they've done and how much money they've been able to make and how they've been able to uplift themselves financially and you know boost their profiles and she's there owing rent she hasn't paid her rent in two years any moment now, they can kick her out. She can't afford to send her children to good school, so she's actually regretting not doing bad things. So yes, of course, I do agree that the police definitely need to be paid better. But if you're telling me that the reason these people are behaving like animals is because their barracks are dirty and they're not paid enough, I don't. I won't take that. I just cannot. If you're going to take bribes, it's not acceptable. But we can make it an uh, what is it an excuse for you to say. You only paid 9000 There's really no way you can make ends meet without getting extra stuff on the side, padding yourself. Okay, fair. You stop someone, you ask for money, you take what they have, you let them go. Yeah, bad police officer. That's what it is. But we can once again make an excuse for you that that's the only way you can survive because you have a family as well. You need to feed, blah, 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 blah. But you stop a young man, you ask him for money. He says, you know, why are you asking for money? Or you ask him to open his phone or his laptop. He tells you, I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm not giving you any money. Or he tries to get away and you shoot him dead. And that's because you're not paid enough or because your barracks are dirty. You stop a young woman and you guys rape her or gang rape her, two, three of you. Some of you still end up killing her. Some still take her to the ATM, take her money, dump her body in a field. And that's because you're not paid enough or your barracks are dirty. Come on. These are evil people. These are demons in human form who are just power hungry. That's what it says. They are power hungry. They know because they have a gun, they can do whatever. They are angry that you defy them and your life means nothing to them. So you're out there. You claim to be hustling and doing all these things because you as a police officer have kids at home and a family to feed, but you're going outside and ending the lives of other people's children. There are women who have been paralyzed. I saw someone who was paralyzed by SARS bullets. When she was 15 in 1996, for goodness sake, do you know how long ago that was? Almost 25 years. It's been 24 years and change. And she's still in a wheelchair till date. Even after she got, she was 15, she was a student in her uniform, so they couldn't say they didn't know. Shot into the bus where she was, she got hit got rushed to the hospital and and she was in a coma for a while. The SARS operatives kept coming to the hospital every day until she was finally awake and were threatening her, saying, you dare not say what happened. You better not say that's the version of the story and so on and so forth. Mind you, they didn't take her to the hospital. So there's no justification for these people. Countless number of people have died. I can't even begin to name every single one of them. At least 12 that when I'm thinking, now, I can remember from the stories I have read. Horrible, horrible. One guy went to a naming ceremony Another girl was home cooking. They came. They, they claimed that they came to get her fiancé who was dealing drugs or something. Of course, no drugs were found. Took her with them. Parents tried to come and get her at the station. They said she wasn't there, all of that. Ended up raping her, killing her, discarding her body. Just so many different ones. Even last week at the protest, a guy who was just a bystander, just a bystander, shot so these people are rogues they are just the answer to nobody and for whatever reason the government is so afraid to put them in check or to cancel them or to end them now we talk about low wages or whatever the police budget for this year was 12 trillion 12 trillion that is not million not billion trillion and somehow these police officers are getting paid nine thousand. so what's happening to the rest of the money obviously The people at the top, the senior officers, are siphoning the money and that's why it works for them to have junior officers out on the streets harassing the public and I'll tell you why. When the junior officers are facing the public and not holding their own senior officers accountable, the senior officers can steal what is meant for everybody and nobody can hold them to it, right? Because that's the way it works. You just wait for your own turn. Keep being a good boy. Keep being out there on the streets. One day you will grow to the level where you can now be in the office and be stealing with a pen instead and, you know, taking from the budget, right? Taking in millions and billions, even in foreign currency. Two, if you have these people out there harassing the everyday citizen, those ones are so scared and anxious and just so boxed in and tired from the oppression from every angle and every sector that they don't have time to fight for their rights. They don't have time to even think or gather or pull their resources or try to request change or make any noise. So keep them busy, which is what they've been able to achieve for so many years. But finally, it could be the whole fact that because of COVID, people were home and people have had time to really think and get angry and build up energy and rest and recover because commuting... In Nigeria daily is just it's it's going into the war zone, it's going into the jungle from traffic to these SARS officers to things not working properly, to just all kinds of no electricity and schools being on strike and too many things happening. But now finally, people are like, or young people are like, enough is enough. We're not taking this anymore. We are pushing against the status quo. And I kid you not know, when I say these old men who lead, who rule, these cabal, these whatever you want to call them are foaming at the mouth. They cannot believe that this is happening. They cannot believe it has lasted for so long. They cannot believe that their usual tactics of promises and, you know, settling and bribing maybe leaders of these type of revolutions is not working because there is no leader. There are so many people who have taken on leadership roles and offered their services. And there is a group called Feminist Coalition. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. that have really stepped up to provide a lot of services and help and organize and do stuff and they are not even being moved or shaken by anything the government is trying to entice them with and like i said before never have been more proud to be a nigerian most especially a woman because nigeria is a country we talked about it last week they don't respect women there's nothing like women's rights the president has come out to say on an international interview talking to angela marco who is the uh, prime minister or chancellor of germany to say my wife belongs in the other room which is the kitchen or the bedroom, wherever else, but where important discussions should be had. So don't pay her any mind. So we have a president like that. I'm sorry. How will women's rights be championed? How will things that affect or bother or matter to women be a priority? It can never be. There's this idea you have to be a man and you have to be an older man, you know, to be in a place of power. We talked about that as well with marriage, right? If you're a single woman, even worse. If you're married, there's a little bit of respect because a fellow man like myself kept you at home and I don't know who he might be, so I don't want to mess with you. But if you're a single woman, you're open for abuse. You're probably a prostitute anyway. So whatever you get, you deserve. So another thing that has really been pointed out is the difference between our generation and our parents' generation, right? So our parents, parents' generation, a lot of them were pushovers. A lot of them were worried about aesthetics, how you look, you know, don't dress a certain way because people will think this about you. Don't keep dressed because people will think you're, you know, in a gang or you're part of a bad group or you're irresponsible or you're not serious. Don't. Eat here. Don't go there. Don't take picture with this kind of person. Don't marry that kind of person. They were worried about optics and what things look like and what people would say, what neighbors would say, what church people would say. They were not worried about what was really going on behind the scenes. We spoke about that when we talked about in the do or die episode. We talked about marriage and family support. We talked about that when we've, when we've mentioned you know church and things happening in church and people being silent. There's that whole idea of just keep the peace, just pretend, just package. From the outside, let everything look nice, but then be suffering inside and just, you know, that's life, right? Oh, you're having a horrible time in your marriage. Well, if I tell you what I went through, yours is a joke compared to mine. Just stay there, manage. You see what I mean? Make excuses for leaders, make excuses for world leaders, for church leaders, for everything that doesn't work. This generation now is the opposite. People are like, no, we're tired. We're not taking this anymore. We know what is right. We are going to fight whatever it takes, whatever we have to sacrifice whatever needs to be on the line. People going into this protest, some of them know that they're likely to lose their lives and they're still going. They've still gone. They've still lost their lives because they believe in a greater fight and they believe in a greater Nigeria and they believe in a new Nigeria forming after this revolution. So seeing our parents' mates kind of confused at first, like what are these young people do? Because they call us, you know, the president has said the youth are lazy. That's why nothing works for them. It's not about me. It's not about my governance. It's just the fact that Nigerian youth are lazy. Well, look at all the things they've been able to do this week. Definitely not lazy. Very smart, very innovative, very determined, very passionate. When I tell you I'm proud, you guys, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. Literally, my chest is swelling. I am so proud to be called a Nigerian, to be a Nigerian youth in this day and age. I mean, what a time to be alive. So a lot of our parents started off with doubting, watching to see what would happen and as the movement gathered, you know, enough momentum, a lot of them got so excited because these are things that they weren't able to do or didn't do. And someone mentioned that it could be because there was a lot of military rule in their time, you know, on and off. So, of course, in military rule, it's not a democracy. You couldn't protest. You couldn't speak out against. I mean, we had a butcher who, if you said even the wrong thing or, you know, he wasn't happy w- with you, officers would come and pick you up. And that say so You were thrown in a jail cell and that was that. So maybe let's cut them a little bit of slack. That could be why. They are so full of fear and cowardly and docile and all those things, no insult to them, but those are the marks of their generation. That could be the case. But they are also the ones who brought bad governance to us. So we try to cut them some slack, but we cannot take away the blame from their generation or from them. Anyway, when things now started getting, you know, tense or whatever you want to call it they started getting excited. The people who have a good heart and have good intentions, parents were excited, you know, posting in their groups, talking to each other about it, donating, organizing their own mother's march, prayer walks, and things of that nature. The people who are used to the status quo, who the status quo benefits, started panicking because it's like, wait, these people have woken up. These people now know their rights. We can't keep doing the rubbish we were doing before. We can't keep stealing and looting and, you know, rigging elections and just eating their future. These people are now demanding what should have been theirs a long time ago, and those ones are not happy. So they are trying to shut us down. They're trying to make it political. They're trying to, you know, involve the army and say the army should be sent out to break up this protest because this is against democracy. They're sending thugs to the protest grounds to wreak havoc. They literally are just so scared and so confused and trying to figure out what they can do to mess this thing up. But God is not going to let that happen because even God is tired on behalf of Nigerians. Just look at how long all this rubbish has been going on. So if you heard about ASU, ASUU, and it stands for Academic Staff Union of Universities, and they are the people who try to broker relations between the government and university staff when they need like pay increase or things are not working the way they should and so on and so forth. And those people have been on strike for a while. Salaries haven't been paid. Conditions are not great and all those things. And the government, to be honest, didn't care. There's so much money in the country. They don't want to pay people who are actually doing any work. And those people in ASU said, well, we're, we're, school is going to be closed. Everybody's going to stay home, which is what has happened for months. Students have been home. And this is not a new thing. This has been happening for years. That's why private universities started becoming popular, because people will spend so much time in school between strikes. A course that was supposed to take or a degree supposed to take four years. will take someone six years, seven years. And then you graduate. You go serve your country for a year, getting a stipend of 19800 And then you get done with that and no jobs. People are just out there looking for ways to fend for themselves. Life is difficult. So private universities started coming up because they are not based you know, on government. They do their own thing. People go in and come out exactly when they're supposed to, unless they fail. But you need money for that. Not everybody can afford that. you know. So that was another issue. Then, of course, people going abroad who could afford it were going abroad. And the educational system or tertiary educational system, which is university or whatever, really started dwindling. So anyway, till date, they are still on strike. Now, all of a sudden, because of protests and stuff, the government is trying to go back into talks with ASUU ASU because they think if students go back to school, then the protests will die down because the numbers will reduce. Just think about the what mentality they have. So you could do your job, but you decided not to. And now that your status quo is being threatened, you want to do your job, not because you care about the future or the lives of these young people, but because you want to what? You want to shut them up. It's just ridiculous how things work in Nigeria. It's almost like being in a different, it's a jungle. I remember saying like Nigeria is a zoo. And my sister said no, because in the zoo, every animal has its own exhibit. So things work in a certain way and a certain order. But in Nigeria, it's a jungle. Literally anything, anyhow, anytime, anyway, no order. People thrive on chaos. In fact, Nigerian government and chaos hand in hand, literally shaking each other. That's what they like. Eye service, implementing things that they know don't have any impact, wasting money, wasting time. Look at what happened during COVID times. So many businesses and individuals and corporations and whoever groups donated trillions in Naira to the government to help people cope during COVID and give them like money and food for students and widows and people in poor areas and whatnot. The government was giving these people just rubbish, things that probably for each person didn't cost more than, I'm trying to be generous here, 2000 Naira. Very few people got this and the rest of the money, nothing. We don't know what happened to it. When people started making noise, they said, oh, the office that was keeping track of everything, you know, a certain parts of it burned down and, you know, yeah, sorry, nothing. That money is in people's personal accounts. Someone came out and gave an expose to say, this money was traced to individuals' accounts. All different people that were tagged were like, not us, not us, not us, we have nothing to do with this. That was how the matter died down. Meanwhile, these feminist coalition girls have been feeding people fat every day. Restaurants and chefs and individuals have been donating money and donating food and meals, quality meals. When I tell you soups and rice and chicken and small chops and suya and you name it, people are feeding and feeding even better than they were in their parents' houses. But the Nigerian government will tell you they spent 2 billion naira on rice and, I don't know, cow knees or some cow ears or some ridiculous part of the cow Food won't even be tasty. Quantity will be small. Probably only serve a thousand people. There are so many things that these young people are doing that, for so long, the government has denied us of and has pretended as if all oh, this is going to be so difficult and so impossible to implement. And these people have implemented in days and weeks and what oh, I'm saying, weeks, barely a week. They have a hotline that was released. When you get on that hotline, if you dial one, maybe you get... Med- I don't, I'm not saying it word for word, but, you know, get my drift. One for medical, two for legal, three for logistics, and so on and so forth. The Nigerian government, when they were releasing a hot helpline, whatever thing, made a whole big deal about it, spent 500 or some ridiculous amount of money, some millions or whatever, had a whole press conference and a whole committee. And we've seen now that... We've always known, but now we've seen more than ever that those things are Irrelevant. Just their ways of stealing more money and sidetracking us. If there's anything I'm happy about is young Nigerians waking up to see that we can take charge, we can do these things. It, leadership is not about age. How old was Obama when he became president of these United States of America, the first black president of America? It's not in age, it's in having good intentions, reading up, knowing the law, and wanting to do what is right, being able to stand up against powers that be, quote-unquote. And in unity, having the interest of your people at heart, if you have the interest of the people that you're supposed to be serving, it won't be difficult for you to make change or for you to help or for you to do your job. So that's what a lot of people are realizing. That's what a lot of young people are coming to terms with, that, hey, I can run for office. I can be a governor. I can be a senator. I can be in the House of Representatives. I can be, you know, a minister. I can, No, you don't want to be a minister, but, you know, I can actually do things to make sure that change is brought about and that things happen differently. They've made it seem so far and so, you know, unattainable for so long that young people didn't even think it was in their place. People have always said, you know, politics is such a dirty game and you don't want to get involved. And But now people are like, we do, because when you don't get involved, when you don't know what's happening, when you're not, part of the people making the rules and... You know, writing policies, then this is what happens. Old people who have no intention of helping go into these government positions because they are feeding fat. When the numbers were released, how much these people make, it was ridiculous. Basic salary for a Nigerian senator is 2.4 million, hardship allowance, 1.24 million, constituency allowance, 5 million, furniture allowance, 7.4 million. Newspaper allowance 1.24 million wardrobe allowance. I mean, just so many different ridiculous, and these are monthly. So you need 7. Point something million naira monthly for furniture. What kind of furniture? Stupid furniture is that. So these people are making 29.5 million naira a month as a senator. That is your salary. These are the senators out of every. If you look at senators all over the world, do the least work. Nigerian senators are known not to do anything. Countless videos of them sleeping on duty or not being informed about what's happening and yet they are the highest paid in the entire world that is above the united states and canada and france and any other organized developed country so i'll read out to you how much senators in different countries make and how much senators you know in total yearly in nigeria make spain $43,900. Ghana, $46,500. France, $85,900. South Africa, $104,000. Germany, $119,500. Canada, $154,000. United States, $174,000. Nigeria, West senators do absolutely nothing. $2,183,685. So that means even if you took off the 2000000 million, let's even assume it was a mistake, that would still be $183,685, which is still more than other developed countries. I don't know how else to say this. I mean, come on. This is absurd on every level. When people are fighting for change, it's not just about SARS. People are fighting oppression. People are fighting failed government. People are fighting bad healthcare. Horrible education system, unstable electricity, no welfare, insecurity, you name it, corruption. So this is literally just a seed that is being sown. And once SARS is ended, we start facing the other arms of government. We start restructuring. We start doing the necessary. We start building a new Nigeria. Let's just agree that the first 60 years were just a trial. You know when you want to buy something I say 7-day free trial, 90-day free trial? Unfortunately for us, it was a 60-year trial. No problem, we'll take that. Change is here. I'm super excited, I'm super happy. People are talking about 2023. People are talking about using drones to monitor elections. Young people know what technology is. They, I mean, they hacked into the SARS database or whatever, Nigerian police database, and were able to get information of SARS officers. I heard they also hacked the Economic Financial Crimes Commission, you know, website or whatever as well. So there's a lot of knowledge out there there's a lot of information out there these people are doing amazing things and then some haters are calling this feminist coalition or oh, a cult you know they're against democracy or they are being paid by outside forces and international powers to disrupt the nation and go sit somewhere like like your time is over the young people that you keep singing since we were young they've been singing about the future of nigeria are the future of tomorrow where Tomorrow has become today. We are now old enough to take charge, to fall into place, to repair all that you people have broken. If you've heard Sorosoke this week, that's really what it is. Speak up, speak out. Stand up. Come out. And the older generation is Benudake. Keep quiet. They like, you know, silence and off mic and shush and, you know, secret, secret and hide, hide. That is over. Literally, that is over. Some people are wondering... Why are celebrities not getting involved? Why are leaders, you know, your community leaders, your governors, your ministers, your senators, why are they quiet? Your church leaders, why are they quiet? And that's a good question. Everybody should want to see a better Nigeria. Everybody should want to see reform. Everybody should want to see growth. Everybody should be proud that young people have come into their own. Unless you have an adverse agenda where things in chaos are working for you, which a lot of these political leaders have then of course you don't want things to turn around because then you're losing you're not making your 162 million naira as a senator for doing nothing mind you after the 162 million they still steal the money meant for their constituents and add it isn't that wickedness you're making that much and then the money you're supposed to use to build schools and build roads and hospitals and every other thing for the people in your constituency who voted for you you still pocket that as well that's why so many people are angry at children of politicians and a lot of them have been attacked on social media Some people are saying, you know, they're not their parents. Others are saying you enjoy from what your parents are doing. You even oppress others with your parents' ill-gotten wealth. You have no right to come and speak or talk. You are part of the problem. So there's just been so much, so much, so much going on. I can't even get into every single thing because we'll sleep here. And I really wanted to make this a short one. We're already at 45, 43 minutes. But find out on social media. So many people are posting on Twitter, the hashtags NSARS now, NSARS. And so I forgot to mention the, the most annoying, two annoying parts of this whole thing. One, when they saw that the youth were not backing down, they said, okay, you know what? We've ended SARS, we're going to you know move those officers to another unit called SWAT. People are like, excuse you. First of all, SWAT is not even original because Americans have SWAT. We also don't want it. It's just shifting the problem. Then we found out that SWAT was already in existence in Nigeria. They inaugurated that in 2013. So just to show you that these people have no intention of doing anything apart from fake activity to dissuade people, to try to act like, hey, we've done what you guys want, now go home, no more protests. So glad that the youth are not falling for it. Also, when the governor of Lagos State, Somoglu, Judy Somoglu, took the demands, those five demands I read to you, to the president in writing, saying, hey, this is what these young people want. Once these needs are met or these demands are met, protests will be over. And the president actually chuckled, he giggled, he laughed just to show you the kind of, how clueless, were how much of a joke they thought this was. And then now things are getting far and they are foaming at the mouth. Like I said, they are pissing in their boots. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to, they are threatening to release the military. And people are like, do your worst. We are ready. You know, it's a lot guys. It's exciting. It's, it's exhilarating. I've literally been on it the whole week. Like I said, if you follow me on WhatsApp status, you're probably like, S- what's all this? Like, why are you? Because that's the best I can do. That's the way I can motivate. That's the way I can inform. So many people have reached out to me to say, it's from your status that I know what's happening, or I'm following the stories, or I'm getting gingered as well. I see people reposting. And that's the point. That's what we want to happen there. So many people who are first were like, mm, I'm not sure about this, and they weren't interested in taking a stand. But as they've seen things progress, they have gotten involved as well. They've actually gone to protests and they've gone to march and they're donating and they're doing what they can. They, however, are still a group of silly people who are acting like they're not bothered because maybe they're from affluent homes and stars can't stop them. Or they have family in the military or police, so they feel like they're exempt or they are abroad. So, you know, I don't live there. It's none of my business. Even though they have family and friends there, homes there, they go there in December, they go for weddings and whatnot. Identifying with a country is not a costume. It's not a Halloween costume that you put on when it's fun and take off when it's not. If you're Nigerian, you're Nigerian. If your parents are Nigerian, you're Nigerian. If your name is Nigerian, if you have a green passport, if if you've ever lived in Nigeria, if you were born in Nigeria, if you're married to a Nigerian, whatever the case may be, there's no other country that will be home. The only reason people are away from home or your parents migrated or you migrated or settled abroad after school or whatever took you abroad was because the conditions in Nigeria were not favorable. If they were, you would be home. So of course you have a personal interest in Nigeria getting better. So people can go home freely. People can people are in America, in England complaining about how they've been treated because they were black. In Nigeria, nobody would treat you anyhow because you're black because guess what? Everybody is black. So you do have an interest in making your country work again. That way, you and your children have the option. If you want to stay abroad, great. If it works for you. If you want to move back home, you can freely do so knowing, hey, I will be okay. Things are sane. If I get sick, I can go to a hospital and not worry about them not having oxygen or doctors being on strike so I don't get, you know, I don't die or I don't get medical attention so I don't die. You're not worried about insecurity or having to provide your own security or police being the ones who harass you. You're not worried about PHCN or whoever, the the people who, you know, take care of electricity or whatever. You're not worried about no power and having to get a generator and spending money. And literally the same things that you're used to abroad, you can enjoy those at home without the racism. Who wouldn't want that? So for me, it's really very funny. And to be quite honest, very stupid for any Nigerian person, regardless of where you live, to say, This doesn't bother me. I'm not interested in becoming a part of any of this. And you're posting all that stuff like nothing is happening. I'm selling hair, I'm selling shoes, or my business, I'm watching a TV show. You look silly. You look very foolish and very stupid. If you feel insulted, I'm insulting you. Wake up. Wake up. People have lost their lives and are still losing their lives. If the least you can do is donate, do it. If you can't donate, Posting and reposting, keeping the hashtags alive, getting word, you know recognition from other parts of the world, letting people know, informing people that, hey, this is what's is happening in Nigeria. If that's the least you can do, it's free. Do it. Come on. What would it take from you? Absolutely nothing. If we share the word, if we keep the hashtag trending, if the world is watching, which it is now, then the powers that be and the people in government will have to be careful in the way they respond to us and will be pressured into answering our demands. Once that victory has been gotten, I kid you not, the floodgates have opened and so many other things will slowly begin to start changing. Accountability will come into play. Just the, It won't be overnight, of course, but that, that, that win will be so major. But if we don't win, guess what happens? We become a joke. It's like, okay, after all the effort and all the money and all the noise, you guys were shut down, then that even pushes us back, maybe even another... Back 60 years or back 40 years or back 20 years, and we don't want that. So please pay your part. Whatever you believe, whatever you don't believe, it's not about religion, it's not about tribe, it's not about politics. It's literally about young people fighting for the future of Nigeria so that our generations unborn will have a legacy, will have a country they're proud of, will be able to stand outside, boast, beat their chest, and say, I am Nigerian and proudly so. To wrap it off, I have good news, right? Not personally for me, but for Nigerians and for young Nigerians, Paystack. It's a payment platform in Nigeria, similar to Stripe. If you know what Stripe is, you can pay through them. They, you know, host on vendors' websites. So if you go to your favorite designer or you buy, you know, order food or whatever, the payment platform that those, you know, businesses, smaller businesses use, the one in Nigeria or one of the major ones in Nigeria is called Paystack. Started by two young guys who were mates at uni and, you know, started coding, programming, doing all of that stuff. No encouragement from the Nigerian government, of course. And they said sometime in 2015, the idea came up, they worked it out, things worked out. They started, you know, getting funding, went to Silicon Valley, were able to secure funding, started doing their work. And if you watch some of their initial videos, that is how they described themselves because they didn't know how else to explain what it is that they did. They take payments and we're just like Stripe or just like Stripe or just like Stripe. Well, they say there's power in the tongue stripe just bought a part of paystack ahead not the whole thing for 200 million dollars yes 200 yes million and yes dollars two young nigerian guys in nigeria they are not abroad they didn't go to school abroad they were not born abroad they don't have a second passport actual two nigerian guys in lagos nigeria young guys so a lot of people have been so excited this is such great news this i mean says so much and tells well for the future of nigeria because they're the same use that the government claimed was lazy the government has nothing in place to help if you go to them with your ideas they would waste your time ask for money ask for a cut ask for a bribe block you at every turn but here are these two young guys who didn't give up on their dream who sought external funding now look at that 91 billion naira i'm sure they have investors and you know other things you know workers and stuff but still Even if each of them only gets $70 million. I'm sorry, I said only. Can you imagine how much money we're talking about? Can you imagine how much encouragement other Nigerians are getting to keep working on their own projects, to reach for the stars? I told my brother, because he's studying computer science, I said, this is an example of what you can do. A lot of times we think about, I want to work for a great company, the Apples and the Googles, and, you know, who else? I want to have a steady job. If I can only get paid, you know, 300K a year, I'm making money. Why can't you be the one owning your own Apples and Googles of Africa and even becoming worldwide. Why can't you be the one employing other Nigerians like yourself, empowering them, giving them high paying jobs, being able to, I mean, change your entire life and the life of your community and your country. So this is a really good example of people who really, I mean, broke the glass ceiling and it's such an encouragement for other young Nigerians to strive and, you know, you can attain this. Now, what's funny is one of the guys, because there are two guys who um run not run but started paystack and one of the guys is called ezra olubi and he has dreads which is something that like i mentioned earlier sars will stop you for and claim that you are a cyber criminal of course he has multiple laptops of course he has advanced phones of course he drives a nice car so when they see him it's like okay look at this young looking guy probably will be a target that's what people will say Come to find out, he said he has been a target multiple times. Sars have stopped him and harassed him and asked him why he wears nail polish and says he looks feminine. Tried to question his sexuality and call him all kinds of names and call him a criminal and a thug and all kinds of things. Now, imagine if Sars had been able to end his life. Imagine the dream that would have died with him. Imagine the success we're celebrating now that would not have existed. But this guy is not a criminal. Nobody has come out say he has ever done anything criminal. Just a hardworking young guy who has gone to meetings in Silicon Valley and met with top people with those dreads and jeans and nobody cares and nobody complains, but SARS would have ended his life because he looks a certain way or fits, quote-unquote, a certain profile. I'm of the opinion that the real fraudsters, the real thieves, pay off SARS operatives and keep doing what they do. So they are not the ones getting killed. It's children of innocent people who don't want to bribe, who don't have money to bribe, who don't even know who or what they're up against that have lost their lives lost their movements you know people who have become paralyzed some of them parents died heart attacks some of them family wealth or family savings were spent on trying to get them out of jail and i mean so many stories i don't want to keep going into them but so many stories of people wrongly and falsely accused thrown in jail and their families are made to pay ridiculous amounts to get them out if you don't pay you stay there they don't care for years 17 year old girl who they arrested. Claims she was part of some armed robbery gang. All she went to do was buy something, you know, her parents own a shop. She went to get something from one of their vendors. This girl spent two years in jail because initially her parents refused to pay a bribe because they're Christians and they don't do things like that. Two years. Imagine a 17-year-old in jail and not just any jail, a Nigerian jail. Not charged to court, not, you know, um, what's the word? Not found guilty of doing anything, but just police, you know, SARS officers said and just threw her in there. Tortured, electrocuted, beaten, naked, who knows what else? These are the people that we are trying to get rid of. This is what SARS movement is about. This is why all the noise on social media. This is why all the hashtags, all the memes, all the protests, all the noise, all the joy, all the excitement. This is what it boils down to and SARS and SARS and SARS. Now, thank you so much for listening. If you're not already following us on Instagram, at Bants and Motivation, B A N T S A N D M O T I V A T I O N, on Instagram, follow us there to get updates on whatever we post, on, you know, leave your own comments on discussions that we've had. Let's make this interactive. What are your thoughts? Are you part of the N SARS movement? If yes, why? If no, And even bigger why? What are your fears? What are your reservations? Do you think anything great is going to come out of this? Is this the start of a revolution? Are people going to get tired and give up? Is the government going to shut us up? Are they going to open schools and you know students go back to school and everybody forgets what happened? Are they going to kidnap the people who are organizing? What exactly do you think is going to happen? What do you want to happen? What do you want the outcome of this to be? Let us know in the comment section. We are still taking donations for our Change for Change campaign. We did our first outreach last week in honor of day of the girl child it was beyond amazing we're able to reach 200 girls 100 in nigeria 60 in the democratic republic of congo and 40 in tanzania kenya so we're still taking donations our next major drive will be in december for the end of the year we're trying to do things bigger better reach more people the first one was a learning curve definitely not easy doing something when you are not there on ground thank you so much to everybody who contributed Everybody who helped, May's Kitchen, my friend Essay, who went to market for us. Thank you to my brothers and my sister who helped me pack the goodie bags for the girls in Lagos and go deliver them. Thank you guys so much. Every single person, I can't call everybody's name, who donated. I was so overwhelmed. I was so excited. I was so happy. Thank you for your support. Bigger and better things to come. Don't forget, follow that page on Instagram at Change for change Share the information with your friends, with your family. People gave, yes, but not as many people as could have. There are still so many people who haven't given, who haven't heard about it, who don't know what it's about. Please let them know. Get them involved. Point them to our social media pages. Point them to our website. So many different ways you can give through Zenith Bank in Nigeria, through PayPal, from anywhere in the world, Cash App, Venmo. uh, What else do we have? I think that's it. But yes, you can give. So any of those means, information is on our page. Like I said, at Your Change for Change, Y-O-U-R-C-H-A-N-G-E, F-O-R-C-H-A-N-G-E, Your Change for Change. On Instagram, the link is also on the Banser Motivation page as well. Payment options are there as well. We want to make this end of the year one a huge one. Like let these girls be able to start 2021 off with a bang. We want to be able to provide menstrual health tools, pads, and underwear other things that these girls will need for the entire 2021 we're able to reach 200 girls this time we want to reach 400 girls yes guys so if you've given before you can still give again get your friends together you can even make it a fun challenge see how much within your group of friends you can raise that would be exciting more information to come soon thank you so much for listening until i come your way next week bye